What is up, y'all? Welcome to the opening set. This is your boy, King Most. As always, my man, John Ray, is riding shotgun, making sure everything goes very well, very right. On today's episode, by the way, episode five of season one, we have a very special guest. My dude from LA via Philly. They can see him all over the world, DJ XL. But before we get into that, we got some housekeeping. As always, you can find us on, uh, let's see, the SoundCloud, the Apple Podcast under opening set. If you want to reach us a little email thing uh, via the Gmail, opening set podcast. Is that right, John? Okay, cool. I, I guess I've only done this four times. I should maybe remember this, but oh well. Apple, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, all that very, very, very good, 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 fun stuff. And like I said earlier, today's very special guest is DJ XL, my guy, originally from Philly, based in LA, but you can find him practically all over the world. That's, you know, Tokyo, Miami, Las Vegas, etc. A king of all formats, amazing scratch DJ. He really is nasty. Great, great live mixes. We'll talk about that in a second. And also a good producer. You can find uh, some edits under his own Excel moniker, also under Alpha Pare. And on today's show, man, I literally had to stop him and, and give him a high five. There's so many cool, positive, great things he was talking about. He had some really good jewels on the idea of mentorship as a DJ. And I really want all my DJ friends to really kind of pay attention and, and take this to heart. And uh, I don't want to give away too much, but he talks about how you really have to bring up the younger generation because uh, if you were helped out when you were a young kid, you know, you should, you know, owe it to them to repay the favor. And uh, if you want to keep a career, you should maybe uh, not be a jerk. And I think definitely like if you're in a position that you're looked at as some kind of vet, then you kind of have a responsibility to help the youth that's coming up underneath you to encourage them. I mean, there's enough to go around. When I have to rewind the tape and I go back to me being 11, 12, 13, there were a lot of older dudes that did not have to take me serious, that didn't have to, you know, show me any love or guide me anyway, and they did. So I feel like if I don't do the same thing, I'm fucking up. And like he kind of hinted on that last segment right there, you know, DJs, yes, we can be very insecure. We can be very territorial and kind of in our heads, but he's proof that you can kind of be, you could definitely be a giving guy, you know, helping the younger generation out or helping your fellow DJ of your generation and still be all good. You'll be fine. You're not, uh, you're not, you're not selling yourself short. As he said, there's plenty to go around. Also, I was very, very impressed about the idea of sacrifice. For you guys that don't know, he was a big deal in Philly and decided to walk away from it all to start again all the way out in Los Angeles. I've been a big fan of DJ XL for a while. He has some awesome live mixes and I've kind of studied and seen how his career has flourished. You know, I know he starts from the kind of classic Philly DJ world like Rich Medina, Jazzy Jeff, his own crew, Scratch Mechanics. And I don't know, you got to pick the brain of somebody who comes from that world and is able to kind of transcend it and like do the bottle service, do the international travel, go to LA. You know, that type of success has to come with some type of really cool ideology. And that's something I wish all the listeners kind of pick up. Follow him on his socials. You can find him on IG under Excelagram, E-X-C-E-L-A-G. Excelagram. All right, okay, you can find him on IG. You can find Excel on IG under Excelagram. So E-X-C-E-L-A-G-R-A-M. I went to college. I swear to you, I did. But check this out. He's our first and only guest who has his own app. Go to the iTunes store or wherever people get apps besides the iTunes store. I don't know. Download the DJ Excel app. And there you can find all the dope mixes I've been kind of talking about in this intro. You'll not be disappointed. And 
Shout out to him. He's going to host this episode on his podcast. So we are cross app, cross universe. We're having like the Thanos, Marvel, Gemstone, you know, Avengers, whatever of the century. So there you go. I think we do about a good hour or so. We talk about it. We get into it. And uh, I felt very good afterwards. Hopefully you do too. Once again, King Most, John Ray's opening set podcast, season one, episode five. Subscribe and tell a friend. All right. What's up, everybody? This is King Most, your host for opening set. Uh, we have a brand new episode today and a special guest, uh, my new best friend, Ryan, a.k.a. not his name, Ryan, a.k.a. DJXL from Philadelphia via LA, Scratch Mechanics crew. Indeed. Yeah. What up, what up, what up? We'll add air horns and like... The yeah, background, all that stuff. give it up to my man Ryan. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like silent. Who's that's Ryan? so funny? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's fine. Yeah, and people don't really need to know my real name. It's not important anyway. So you can just keep thinking as Ryan. So if anyone wants to like identity theft me, they'll okay. just look up the wrong wrong person. <laughs> and that's totally what we talk about on this podcast: yeah. identity theft, oh, how yeah. to get over on people. I think it's funny as I got older, people are more prone to ask me what my real name is mm-hmm. when I meet people. Okay. You know what's up? I'm so and so. Yo, what up? My name is that is XL, and they're like, "What's your real name?" And I'm like, "XL, motherfucker." XL. <laughs> My name comes up in Uber as XL, and they're like, "Is that your name?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And do you ever get an Uber XL? And it's like, "Yo, this is so pun well, central." Or? No, because that's like extra large XL, where mine is just XL to achieve greater. Yeah. So like, or the Microsoft program. They think, yeah, and I, that's the number one thing people <laughs> get me. They try to hit me with like the jokes of like the spreadsheet. I'm like, yo, I, that's not really where I got my name from. But yeah. you know, it's like people's first joke, I guess, when they're trying to well th- just be funny. So everyone calls you XL at this point, of course. And does your family call you XL? No, but when people would call the house when I lived at home, they knew who XL was. They knew it was me. My oh. parents would never call me by that, of course. But when you picked a name back then, that was a name you went by all the time. That was your street name. If you were into graffiti, yeah. if you were rapping, if you were spinning, if you were breaking, if you just did nothing at all, you were just one of the dudes that hung out or even a girl. Like Everyone had a handle and everyone went by the handle. And there were friends of mine that we were friends for a long time that I didn't know their real name until like I had to get checks for people or something or like we were getting paid and I had to, Hey, I need to know what your real name is so I can write this check out. Why do you need someone know my government? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe their name's Ryan and that's, but I kind of, I, you know, I like it. I like having this handle, this identity that everybody knows you by. And I feel like my real name isn't important because if you were to know my real name and you were like, oh, I was kicking it with David, they're going to be like, who's David? And if you said I was kicking it with XL, they're like, oh, that's my man. Like, that's the more important name. David is not the more important name or Ryan or whatever you think my name is. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, also, there's many Davids. And actually, that uh, comes to mind. Is there a difference between Ryan? Uh, David and Excel, are they all the, are they same person at this point? You know, there isn't a difference. It's you. And when you are in, uh, let's just say hip hop culture, like music culture or whatever, like there is no on and off switch. You don't go to your nine to five and you're Ryan <laughs> and then you hit the, you know, you, you punch out and then all of a sudden you Your just Excel. become, yeah. Even people, when you would work your regular job, they knew who you were. You I'm doing I mean? this all wrong because I, when I had a day job, I would not tell people I DJ because I'd be embarrassed because I think there was a stigma Funny. of DJing like, oh, if you show up late, I know why or 
you know, come out of your cubicle and do the whole hand gesture shit. That's really funny. Um, or I don't go by King Most. I think I, I'd stop it. No, call me Patrick. Like, please. Are you sure, Mr. Most? I'm like, see, yeah, I don't think Patrick. I would ever refer to you by your real name. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would. You know what I mean? Like when we were getting coffee and the lady was calling you for something, I was like, Most. <laughs> and I would have been like, I don't think I would have ever said Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah. I didn't know that until now either. But still, just you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know why. I guess I, hearing you say like you're that person all twenty four seven, I was like, man, I'm doing this shit wrong. So. Well, I think <laughs> I, I think for me, it feels weird that someone who came up with a name for themselves doesn't want to be known by their name at all times. Mm. You know what I mean? Like. King most is who you are. Like that, that for better name for could be <laughs> right. Like you can be the neighborhood legend. You can be whatever. Like I feel like if it was me and that was my name, I want everyone to refer to me as that. That's what I want you to know me. That's what I go on social media as. That's what my person. That's who I am. Okay. So I think it's funny when I, you know, I hear people say like, "Oh, I was embarrassed. I don't want that to be out there." Like. Because when we were doing that, you thought so hard to come up with a name and you were so proud of that name that you yeah. didn't even want to go by your real name anymore. Well, and you said hip hop thing and you know, you've been from Philly. Did you have a, like a history of back, uh, graffiti at one point? I was into graffiti because everybody was into graffiti. Sure. But I wasn't really good at it. Like I was enough to just throw like a burner up, but like not legendary pieces like there were dudes i grew up around that were just amazing like bombing on trains like just the train we hear trains, in the background walls like yeah, yeah yeah like dudes that really knew how to draw you know what i mean and yeah like i just i just didn't get it the thing for me though is that everyone had to find a place to fit in so djing and rapping became my thing when everybody was you know either doing graffiti or doing whatever they were doing i found my place and i just kind of like just zoned in on that and that's all I wanted to do and everyone else did everything else so the graffiti part of course when I was hanging with everybody you had to throw your name up but it wasn't really anything I'd be super proud of to be like, <laughs> yeah check that like, out yeah you would like yeah, yeah. Like on the go magazine like yeah, yeah. that's me look I'm yeah. in there I'm in there so was there other excels that you had to kind of like battle or uh no I never really had to battle any but of course it became like a very common name and by the time I figured this out, it was too late to go back. Not saying that I wanted to go back, but, you know, uh, I started DJing in 91. So, okay. you know, not to make me sound like ancient, but there was no internet, really. The court, yeah, there was no internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when you say really, like zero. Yeah, like, yeah. And Apple even TV even shit. through a good portion of, like, my teen years, the internet really wasn't anything. It was nothing more than, like, a chat room. So yeah, chat you, you and, didn't really yeah. discover things from around the world unless they came across your plate, right? So there was another XL uh, from New York who did, like, who did like break records. Okay. So there was like a Mixmaster XL. All XL. Right. There was a dude from London who I think did DMC back in the 90s that I just, I wasn't aware of until much later on in life. And then, of course, there was a dude in Baltimore who did club music. There was a dude in Florida. There's still a dude. Like These dudes are all still out there. And then, of course, there's probably 10 other people that picked a name. I didn't realize it was going to be <laughs> such a common name. And, like, you know, I'm not going to sit there and, like, issue cease and desist to people. If anything, it seems kind of silly. Like, I have the website. I have all the social media stuff. I think when people refer to that name, they shoot to me first. Hopefully, yeah, ideally. It seems kind of like counterproductive to go under that name and not be 
the pale skin dude with the glasses and the tattoos. Well dressed though, with the fresh well, uh, off white. Sure, joints. add yeah. all those things yeah, into yeah, the yeah. mix, <laughs> and then have a ton of mixes online as well, where you can listen to what I've done and date them back. You know, I mean, like I found and posted a mixtape from '94 that you know you can date back. So why would you want to go by that name? Like it's not like you're going to get booked mistakenly because they think you're me. So yeah, it would only it would only really if it was me on the other side I would just pick another name, yeah. right? And if I could, I think I would maybe go by a different name now, but I mean, what are you going to do? There's so many people that spin. Everyone is going to have the same name. There's probably a King Mo someplace. I think that, there's one in Jersey. Right. And I think there was Stretch. Stretch Armstrong told me, name drop. Uh, right. There's a, some house guy back in the day did some house records, King Mo. So right. there you go. So I think, you know, if I was younger and I started to run by the name and maybe one of the older OGs had a problem, then I would have to consider you know i mean just out of respect like you know if the dude from london was like look i'm still working like i'm still out here doing my thing and i have stripes you need yeah then i have to pay respect to that dude he's he's more like solidified than me you know what i mean but no one ever really approached me on that level and like i never really wanted to go back and forth with people like yo you got to change your name i it just is what it is, yeah. you know? So I'm glad you're saying this because I think this is all kind of from a era that doesn't really exist anymore where names and turf and know, things like that happen. The only thing that really disturbed me about it was that people would confuse maybe some of the work with me. And I didn't want to take credit for something that I didn't do. So like oh, there wow. was a party break record that people love on a AV8 label where it's like no diggity flipped with something else. And people would hit me from time to time. Right, but like, that wasn't you? No. Interview's over. Yeah, yeah right? Okay. I mean, that's totally it. fine. Right. That's cool. We can just job. get out of here and call it Yeah, get yeah. some more coffee. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I would always be like, nah, you know, that's not me. Like, I don't want to take <laughs> take credit. But I don't know who the dude is either. Like, I've never met him on a personal level to be able to direct them to him. Like, if you're a fan of that thing, that dude needs to get his his like credit you know i mean yeah. i don't want to take credit for something i didn't do and i'm not really a fan of it either it's not like you're giving me credit for some amazing beat i'm like no i did not do that like there's yeah. stuff that i've produced uh-huh. that's not it uh-huh. but at the same time if i produced it and i wasn't getting credit for it i'd feel some some type yeah. of way i remember i met a, a fashion and he's from new york I was like are you dj fashion yo his mixtapes were crazy so here's the thing there was fashion and there was fashion who made break records on like nervous and there's fashion who's in la my, but, my man fashion yeah. from yeah that, i know they're different because yeah no for sure but like at least fashion the new york dude spelled it like fashion yeah i-o-n yeah there was a little bit of a difference at least you can figure it out yeah i remember having a mixtape from him way back in the day i mean it was great it was dope you yeah know? yeah and then later on working in radio i met fashion uh-huh. from the west coast yeah but I think they were in two different worlds yeah. and it really didn't collide eras too even i would say even different eras with my situation there's dudes that like they're still working and it's I, I again i find it funny because like something will happen on facebook there'll be an event someone tags me in an event in some other part of the United States where it's like, yo, that's not me. Yeah, I didn't know you know DJ in a My Little Pony party or something. <laughs> but like the thing is like the the poor dude that is supposed to be getting the credit isn't like if it was I would just change my name. Do something. Make it like, you know, some kind of other King XL or something like that that like people it's not good for business. Oh, the real DJ XL. Well, that's what I picked <laughs> up because I didn't know what else to do. Like I had to come up with something that was quick and like you know and and was straight to the point where i can just say yo go look for this yeah two things 
when you kind of, because I guess in the DJ world now, you have to become more savvy and more sharp with your business. So yeah. when you do the whole SEO thing, has that kind of been a, a pain for you or you just say, screw it, whatever? No, because I, I come up in most of the first searches, I think. Okay. When you search under me, like if you just look in uh, DJ XL, I come up in the first five or six searches. Yeah. I think that thing I sent you accidentally, the, the dime mixes. Yeah. And that's actually between that and the edits I was getting, that's yeah. how I really got to know you. And I Dope. love those fucking mixes, man. Thank you. Because I think in an era, and I'm kind of guilty of this too, when I record myself, I get super self-conscious. Sure. And like, don't fuck up and I'm messing up. And then, okay, well, that's ruined. Are you just so good yeah. and confident that you don't care? Um, or I mean- Because again, most DJ mixes now are like, Auto sync, Ableton, and you're just in their live. It's not about do I feel I'm so good. It's for one, like there's never really been anything else that's come to me as naturally as this. So I, I'm confident when I step behind a set of turntables what I'm able of doing. I've recorded myself live hundreds of times, mainly because when I started to play out people would constantly ask me for mixes. Do you have a copy of the set that you just played? And I just saw like, okay, this is the best business card I can possibly keep on me. Better than an actual card is having these mixtapes. Oh, so you're talking actual CDRs or actual tapes even? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So I would just keep them on me. And when people would ask, I would just give them out. Damn, that's such and an that's how I would get work. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I would get more work because uh -huh. people would just have CDs in, in, in their whip or wherever they were. And it was mine. And, and you know, the business itself would just spread. The mixtape thing, I wanted to, like, give the music out so much that I would always have the master on me and give the master away. Like, I, like I'd be, you know, because everyone just left it up to me to be the guy that had the music for the car. Cause I, yeah. you know, back then I had all the new shit or I don't know if I can curse, but I had all the new shit. I had all the new shit. So like, you know, I would always have a tape and then I would leave it with them and I would never get it back. Yeah. So when I found that master from 94 that my man, I went to high school with found, I was super stoked because then in my head, I'm like, okay, was I as good as I thought I was at in 94 or was I just straight trash and I'm making this more of like a fantasy than it was? But I listened to the mix and it was exactly what I thought it was. It was cool. Oh man, when I listen to myself record, it's such, it's like... I mean, yeah, uh, it, 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 it takes know. a while and I, you know, I, I, I hear things as well. I think, you know, one of the things that really separate great from good in this field is being able to mask any of the mistakes. Wow. The myth. I mean, just being able to find the mistake and mask it so that most people won't know it or just be able to, you know, make it as clean as you possibly can. I mean, of course, a train wreck's a train wreck. Nobody's yeah. perfect. Yeah. I mean, there's no way. And that's, that's the beautiful thing. I don't think anyone expects you to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And I can go through a lot of these mixes and show you little things. I'm like, oh, this should have dropped a little bit here. I should have did this. I didn't like the way this cut out here. But it was well enough that most people don't notice it. And I'm okay with it because I obviously put it out. Yeah. But it's very rare that I hit the record button and it doesn't make it to the internet. So you kind of look at your own art as like, Within reason, like you can still pull out like, yo, this guy's still like a good, great DJ, even though this mix isn't good, isn't it isn't flawless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think I hold anyone to that kind of standard to be immaculate one hundred percent the entire time. I think it's very fair that, you know, 
you can only control maybe at this point with your Serato, you can control maybe like 80% of it. Yeah. But when you were playing vinyl, I uh, mean, if that record skipped and you were in the middle of the mix, you had to figure out how I'm going to get out of this without riding this train wreck for the next 10 seconds. Yeah. Or I hate when like it would skip and it would just loop and it, and, and you, you just skips yeah. and it jumps like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Or I think I had some records where I knew the second verse skipped, so I would make sure to always mix out before that. It's just always little yep. in it, little weird things that, you know, uh, people from our era kind of did and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, everything got a little bit easier and a little bit cleaner and a little bit more controllable once you were able to use the computer and have perfect copies of everything twice. Yeah, key and, point. Yeah. Locked in the yeah, grid. Yeah. So I think that's that's the such a big question I have in my mind is technology today with DJing and how it's democratized a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about just this for an hour, but we sure. don't have to do that. But what's your take on technology and accessibility and uh, I, the I current think, world? You know, I think like any change or any advancement, there's pros and cons, you know? I mean, we were at the beginning, we were there at the beginning of Serato. So we were at the Atlantic City DJ Expo Vestax was showing the QFO and a few other things that year. And the so QFO, that was a cute, that was brown, a little Cubert with the oh, fader. Yeah. People, if you're listening, look that up. Yep. It's the most bizarre, but yeah. amazing thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. So we were doing all the demos at the booth there and Serato was right next to us. Uh -huh. We all like started peeking our heads around <laughs> just trying to, and they weren't doing anything crazy. They were literally just mixing records and showing you the screen. And, you know, it was very foreign and everyone's just kind of like, oh, man, like, what is this? The, 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 you know, this is crazy. I think Technique showed their CDJ that year. And I think Final Scratch was already out but wasn't doing well. So fast forward, I guess Revolution showed it to Jeff. Jeff called everybody down. We go to the studio. Jeff shows it to us. And immediately we all go get Serato. This is a total game changer. You can say, you know, before Serato, after Serato. Like it was that. Absolutely. It was an epiphany. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jeff, like he called most of the crew down and we were just in the studio. We were in a touch of jazz and he was just like showing us this software and hardware, the box and the whole nine and just kind of all together like taking in what the capabilities of this is sure sure so i kind of already knew this this was coming i went and got a computer my first computer which was a mac because <laughs> i don't here. know anything yeah. about you know computers or pcs or never really had to spend much time on one but i got a mac and i started to import all the cd joints i would get like i would get all the record service but they would send cds as well so i imported everything and were you importing at 320 of course okay because yeah I, like, I already got hip to that i knew all okay. like 320 bit rate in the whole nine with 320 that. is the optimal rate to have yeah, yeah. 192 is the minimal anything below that you're playing garbage right but some crowds don't know and most no. sound systems well, i think don't it also really depends on the records too like some of the older you know funk and soul records that weren't really recorded on a digital level 128 sound find or just muddy and Not they compressed. sound muddy anyway yeah, you know yeah, what i mean so yeah. but that's a whole nother yeah, we, discussion that's the minutia of DJ. Um, but yeah so. but yeah so i started to build this whole catalog of music i went to my man's crib that like collected music he didn't spin he just was a fan of music and had everything and i was like yo i need to go through your whole database and like you know grabbed all the tribe albums and just everything i needed and put everything in these folders and then sure enough when serato came and we got it i already had a good collection of music and, you know, I went to the club that one night. I still took, like, my dance hall records. Because I was like, ah, I don't know how this is going to yeah. hold, Which hold up. I'll just do give anymore, it a break. At this point, yeah. 
Yeah. I did that for a week, and then the next week I never took records again. Wow. And that was it. You don't buy records anymore. I still buy records. But like, it has to be something that I want to have in the collection. Like, I'm not buying trendy records. I'm buying stuff that I, I feel like I want to have 20 years from now. Uh, or just older records that maybe I need a cleaner copy of. Because we still play vinyl. I mean, like, yeah. there's still vinyl, there's vinyl nights, and it's still a good feeling to be able to not look at a computer and to have people see that there's an actual talent into mixing records and and to kind of like have people just how are you doing this like you can't how are you figuring out what you're playing and it's like well this is how this is how we did it you know what i mean and like when they can see that it becomes a talent again and uh it's it's just fun you know it's fun you play completely differently because you can't loop certain things and you have to mix and play the way you played before and if you didn't have doubles you had to find a way to get into the shit and if it skips it skips in the whole nine so you're kind of at the mercy of the vinyl yeah yeah feedback but it's still it's still fun i'm glad i don't have to go around the world with crates and i was one of the lighter packing dudes like i didn't really come through with like dudes i know would come through with eight ten crates i would come through with two uh, mail crates, like two, yeah, po- like two, two, two postal <laughs> crates and two record bags. And that would be enough to get me through a four hour set with extra music as well. And that's pretty much what I rolled with to most of my gigs. But having to get around state to state, city to city, country to or, country, yeah, yeah, floss yeah. that baby. I, I don't yeah, miss any shit. of that. So, so, so circling back, so you know, you come from Serato and vinyl. Yeah. With what's happening now with controllers and people just plugging the aux core, is this kind of the same thing we saw again? Because I remember, I feel like the fear is kind of similar. Like everyone's worrying, oh, everyone can be a DJ now and it's too easy. But is it actually true this time around? It's just, again, the same old paranoia. From I don't think 10 the years easy ago. thing is, I don't think it's a problem. I, okay. don't, I don't think it's a Good. fear for people that are not in it just as a hobby, right? Like, guys girls people that i grew up with they were lifers they were in it for life it's who they are as people it's not so much of like i'm going to do this for four four years till i get my degree and go do another job and that's a past tense in my life a lot of the people that i know have been spending 20 plus years like i have i mean it's been over 20 years from for me that i've done this and I don't want it to end so whether or not you show up with a controller and can play records and they mix themselves i mean like the dj i was at 28 from 38 is way different than the dj i was from 18 to 28 the knowledge of music the ability to read a crowd play different records get in and out of different records just know music in on on a broader scale so whether or not I gave you everything in my computer and you have a controller and you can mix it and you put mixed in key in and you do all the things that help someone play well, if you don't put the time in, you're still not going to be anything near a guy or a girl that's been that deep in the game for that long. So, you're so there's worried. no there yeah. there's no fear. No, yeah. I think for me, I mean, to be honest, like there's sometimes I'm like, dude, these kids just show up out of nowhere or even people like our age. And they do what people just show up out of nowhere. They didn't have to, you know, take any time. I, you know, I was explaining this to some somebody else. Like, I started at eleven. I probably didn't get to an actual club until 
I don't know, 18 or 19. I mean, I did like little sets, but like to work in a club on a weekly basis wasn't until much later. That was already six, seven years of me just practicing in my crib and messing with music. People only don't even give themselves six months. So there's no way. I mean, you might be cool. You might be able to ride out a little bit for a few years. And it might hurt a lot of us in that time span. But if you're in it for the long haul, those people are eventually going to give up. They're not as passionate. Or maybe they become more passionate. They get themselves turntables. Because like anyone, if you're on a controller, the more you know, it becomes boring. I want to be able to do more stuff. I want to be able to control it more. I want to be able to like hold a record in my hand or, you know, do more things. It's always going to keep going in the direction that it's going, where there's the technology side that makes more things become easier. And then I think there's another side that makes people like me and some other guys kind of take a step back and say, you know what, let me get back to the basics a little bit more. And let me just work the way that I was used to working and making, you know, showing people there's more going on than me pushing buttons and stuff like that. Because I see what people see when I'm actually digging for records and playing and moving and not typing on a keyboard for most of the night. So instead of rolling over and kind of being like the begrudging, bitter DJ, you're like, let me just double down on what I know how to do so you can know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think being bitter is going to get you anywhere. You're not going to stop anyone from saying they want to do this. If anything, I encourage everyone. I think it's a great hobby. Do it. Please go go put your money in. But I, I mean, I would say to you, go get a set of turntables and go give it a shot or go get CDJs and go give it a shot and collect music and find the music that you love. Don't, you know, play what you think you have to play. Just Find music that you love to play or stuff you already have. Everyone has a collection of music. Start messing with it. Damn, this is the most measured and like positive encouragement I've heard from a veteran DJ because I know a lot of them and they're like, this is terrible. DJing's over. And, you know, I can't lie. I sometimes, I kind of waver between positive and negative. But I've hearing had, this is very reassuring. Thank you. Thank no, you. No, for it's sure, like man. Right I mean, I've had, I've had this discussion with a lot of guys, some that sit on the other side that think it's over and, and they think it's like it's all done. But... I don't know. I haven't seen it. No. And I think definitely like if you're in a position that you're looked at as some kind of vet, then you kind of have a responsibility to help the youth that's coming up underneath you you to encourage them. I mean, there's enough to go around. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I will say like. I'm going to give you a high five right now. Oh, (laughs) you're just. uh, Well, no, I mean, I mean, it's it's you know, it's 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 true. I mean, like the unity of the culture is what helps a lot of people move throughout their life and being able to get gigs. I think if you're one of those bitter dudes or girls or whoever, and that starts to spread around, you become a cancer and there's no reason to have you around. And I think if you're more supportive and encouraging and offer, you know, assistance and guidance that younger generation will appreciate you later on and if you want to continue to work into your 50s and 60s and not be the old dude that they push out then i think you need to help them to make sure they'll look out for you come later on in life psa moment right now i mean listen you can do whatever you gotta do you don't gotta listen to me because i don't i don't have i don't have the rule this is how i i look at it because when i have to rewind the tape and i go back to me being 11 12 13, there were a lot of older dudes that did not have to take me serious, that didn't have to, you know, show me any love or guide me anyway, and they did. So I feel like if I don't do the same thing, I'm fucking up. I'm not doing them 
it's the yeah, right thing. The you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah because culture. I mean, there were times I would go see Rich, uh-huh. Rich Medina. Yeah, uh-huh. and like I, I, you know, I would pick his brain, and I was young, I was a teen, and like you know, he didn't know I was going to still do this at this point in time. He didn't know anything, you know what I mean? And he was doing his own thing, but he would show me his press kit at the time. That's how I knew what a press kit was supposed to look like back then. He had another homie named Train, and Train was really into like rare grooves, and when Footworks closed. I was just there at the right time and I was like, I don't know any of this stuff. Like, I don't, I don't know all these samples. I don't know what all, I think I know some of them. I went and got a cash advance on my first little credit card and train sat there with me and picked out all the records that I should have. I know you don't know this, but you have to have this. Trust me, this this is the joint. And he picked everyone. He didn't have to do that for me. You know what I mean? So like, you want to be there trained to somebody else. I mean, I just feel like that's a perfect example of what the culture is. Like, mm. you know, if someone hits me and says, yo, what's that song you played? I'm not like, nah, dude, you got to figure it out. <laughs> you don't got to Shazam it. Just come up and ask me. I'll tell you. I want to be able to, I want to be the one that you're like, yo, I heard X play, play this. It's crazy. He put me on. Yeah. I think I did that to you. I hit you up about a Biggie remix. I mean, like here. any, yeah. any, anyone, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that's what that's what the essence of this shit is for real it's not so much about like box everybody else out because i feel like you might come steal shine from me i've never had any of that happen you know what i mean but i feel like there's a good part of the culture that does feel that way it's just not me yeah and that and there's a reason why it's not you thus you travel that you were in las vegas last night you're in san francisco now for sure you've been to japan many a time i have i I love it in japan okay as a DJ, some of us are able to travel the world, travel the, our state. You've gone to Japan many a time. What was the first time you traveled overseas? Was it to Japan? Tell me the whole scenario. My first international gig years ago was Canada. That Not overseas, of course, but that was my first time out of the United States going through passport control, playing a gig. And of course, it was crazy. I mean, it's just a, a whole nother world. Overseas, um, hmm... It would either be London or Japan, I think, were my first two, like international across the ocean. Um, it's mind-blowing, of course. More so Japan, because we can't have a discussion like we're having a discussion now. Unfortunately, yeah, we don't speak Japanese. Or is that, uh, what, is that what you say? Well, they don't speak what we speak, and we don't speak what they speak. Uh-huh. And the extent that we do speak is very basic. Extremely, yes. But then you get in a room... And you play these records and everything just comes together. And it was one of the first moments of me like really seeing firsthand that music just brings people together. It unifies people from around the world. And especially now because, you know, uh, with people getting music from the Internet, they know the same stuff that we know. The beautiful thing is that they may not know all the words, but they know the melodies and the sounds of the words. And that's the shit that really gets them going. So you play records for them that they can they can sing along to, like us listening to like dance hall or something. Yeah. We don't really know the words, but you're like, son, I say, ah, you know what I mean? Like you're saying words and you just get chills. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're communicating to people that as soon as the music is off, they can't express, you know, in words how thankful they am. And I can't do the same. I have to be very basic. But yet all these records, they know. And I think that was really cool. Yeah. You know no, I mean? it totally is. I mean, I I think the first time I went to Japan, it was the DJing for somebody, for my friend Kiro. And I was like, I never thought like the son of two immigrants would 
off of DJing and making beats on MPC has somehow can somehow go across the world. And I think that's that's no, that course, till man. to this day I still am like blown away and humbled and impressed by how far this thing can take us. Yeah. I mean I everything that I've known, every friend that I've met, no matter what walk of life they're in, it's happened or it's placed me there because of music. It it trips me out, of course, to look back and back you know, back then, there's no way you could have told me this is where I would be. And there's still so much more to do, but... Like what for you? I mean, it's really about making people more aware of... The culture you're talking uh, about? Well, no, no, like people, just people in... Like, I think the thing that a lot of guys like myself have a hard time with at the moment is creating a strong fan base. Mm, mm. Uh, the thing that kind of happened is like the producer DJ was able to generate a fan base and become a hard ticket sell. And the DJ at nature, the guy that just knows how to play a party, it's hard to find a way to make what you do stick with people that they want to flock to come see you. So I think for most guys in my in my predicament at the moment, we're trying to figure out how to generate more fans. You know, I don't think anyone is really considering on retiring anytime soon. So if you want to do it on a successful level, how do you keep the scale growing? Sure. Not just staying even. You yeah. know what I mean? So that is really what I think a lot of us have been focused on. And there's really no answer. I don't I don't have an answer to give you. What I are you doing to kind of chip away that kind of go in that direction? Social media mixes, kind of what we've been doing before. But it's just little by little. I mean, like, it's it's different. If you put out a track and that track blows up, all of a sudden you have tons of fans and they'll come to see you and you may only have one song. That's all it takes sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You can put out a mix and, you know, cool. there's Few a bunch of people, people, but people aren't, like, flocking to come yeah. see you. So I think, really, it's just making sure that you leave some kind of impression on people that you know, will last for years to come so you can continue to work. You know what I mean? Cause I don't want to, I don't want this to be a past tense. So you're, you, you're a lifer at this point. I think so. So uh, I mean, I hope so. Okay. You know? I mean, do you have like a backup plan or is this is nah, it? man. Like I, I think for me, you know, I, I, there was no backup plan. I think if you, oh, from the get, you were like, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I dropped out of college. I knew this is what I wanted to be from the very beginning. I didn't want a backup plan. And I also feel like if I approached it with a backup plan, I don't think I would be as dedicated because I knew I had something to fall back on. If all else fails, I can just go do this. Because there's no backup plan, it's like there is no if all else fails, I can do this. This needs to be the thing that I'm that I'm doing. And then if something does spawn from it that leads me in another direction it'll happen for me just following this along like i've i've always just followed this wherever it led led me not knowing where it was going to lead me so you don't have any anxiety for your future I mean, or... of course absolutely as you get older and that becomes more apparent that it's an issue it can drive you nuts i mean you know because you're an adult and now you're like yo this shit is real like i don't have anything else but at the same time i've seen people who have went to college, got a degree, had a job and the floor gets pulled out from underneath them, you know, just as well. And they got to figure out what happens. They lose their job. They get laid off and they can't find another job. Or the industry gets packed up, automated, whatever. So what really happened is the more I started to focus on that side of it, 
And the more it would drive me a little nutty, the more I realized no one has security. I mean, unless you come from like a well-off family and you got money in an account that's waiting for you, we're all just, you know, we're all just following this thing along. And some of us have been a little bit more luckier than other folks. And I, I don't know. I mean, how, how, how was I able to quit working at a mall at 19 and at 38, I've made a living off of doing You've this. You've been DJing as that long. Yeah. 20 years on. Let's get yeah. it. Never once like, oh, I got a little date. No. There was once in my early 20s that like I lost three or four gigs in one week. Wow. Wait, what I, was that week like? Holy it, shit. Was, it was pretty nuts because <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't prepared. I, like, I, you know, like anyone in their 20s, you're not saving any money. You're just spending it as quick as it's, it's coming and, and going. That was the 600 but, seekers. Yeah, yeah, of course. But like, you know, at, at that point, you got paid cash every night. So you were like, yo, I know I work two on, on Tuesday. I get my three, 300. I'll have 300 on Tuesday. I'll have another 300 on Wednesday, whatever. Like, and that's how you just went through your weeks. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, a club closes or something happens and you lose three of those nights at one club and another club goes and then you're like, oh, damn, like, I don't have any work. Now I got to try to find work. And a few weeks passed, I couldn't find any work. I had to go get a job. I had to go literally go like apply for a job that I'm not qualified to do shit. <laughs> and uh, I get a job like working in this eyeglass factory where like you're like taking these lenses you're literally just on like a, a like like a high pace conveyor belt and you're just like boom 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 like non-stop i worked that job for like two or three days and two or three days. yeah and then all of a sudden like a couple gigs fell back into place i was like yo i'm i'm out never again quit and that was the last job i ever had to have and mind mind you when i moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, I had to start all over again. I had to lose all that and start Dude, from the beginning. And that is a question I want to ask. Okay, first of all, what? Why is it? Because is it that thing where you hit a ceiling in Philly and that was it, and not in New York is just an intense meat grinder? And, I was, or all those things and more. I mean, I, I was at a ceiling for a couple years at that point, where you know I worked four, five, six nights a week for years. You know, uh, I've chipped away at like getting more money per night. And I think I got to the top of where I was going you to make, out. you know what I mean? And, and there was no way for me to make any more because I wasn't throwing my own parties. I was literally just working for a club. I've done shows, done all the clubs, played all the clubs that were in town. Some clubs several times over like different names, worked in radio two or three times. And even though I was traveling and did a bunch of press and, you know, did all the stuff that I was doing, playing in New York, playing in New Jersey, playing in Delaware, playing in Virginia with a little bit of travel, I just wasn't getting where I wanted to go. I wanted to go around the world. I wanted to get more exposure. And I felt like people just weren't paying attention. Was it because you or is it Philly? Personally, in my opinion, I think it's the market. I think Philly. people just didn't look to Philly that way. I think there's a respect level for people that cut their teeth. But I think as far as like the allure to bring somebody in and like this aura that they bring, there's only been a handful of like really lucky people that have been able to, you know, stay in Philly create a business for themselves and be extremely successful in Philly. And that's Jeff Rich. Uh, you can probably name them all. Yeah. Them. <laughs> name like yeah. Mo most of them. Yeah. 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 Or yeah. No, no, don't disrespect anyone else. But no, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, just the, yeah, one, the ones that you, the ones that you think of are the ones that are there. Yeah. Everyone else had to 
up and go someplace else. Yeah. And you'd said LA was it? Well, New York really wasn't appealing to me. There weren't opportunities for me there. And I never really liked the city. I felt like it was too close of a move. If I was going to go to New York, I can just stay in Philly and just go to New York every day if I really needed to and just be out there. But we, we did that for a while. When I was in college, my brief stint, we used to go to New York like two or three times a week, make all the rounds, be, be in the streets. I mean, we played a few clubs there as well. I just didn't see it. But I went out to L.A. on a party that my man was involved in who worked in radio with me and it got all botched up of course when I got out there but I wound up meeting a a dude who wound up becoming a friend who just kept stressing me to move like you have to get out of here you have to get out of here you have to come did he sense it too that you're priced out yeah yeah I mean he he knew the whole deal and he knew that like the potential for me is here Mm. and even to the point of like he was just like look like I got enough work if you just come here I'll be able to get you like rolling you know what I mean? And of course, like after a year of us going back and forth and me coming up with every excuse <laughs> you could possibly come up with of why you don't want to move. Which were what? So, I mean, everything you can think of, like, you know, my dog. the earthquakes, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the cost of living, the heat, it's uh-huh. dry out there. Oh, man. Uh, really the people like, you know, just, you know, because I feel like most people, too, when you grow up in a city like Philly, you become attached and you feel there's a obligation to the city to stay put. Eventually, I just ran out of excuses and everything I kept throwing, the world kept throwing back at me like, nah, nah, you need to, you need to come, you know, you need, you need to come on. So eventually I went. And of course, the moment I get off the plane, all the things that were supposed to be set up just fell through. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Plot twist. Uh, twist. But I mean, I'm stubborn, you know what I mean? And like, (laughs) I come from Philly, so you're not going to knock me out that that quick. I just stuck it out. You know, I played played the game. I played my part. It was extremely, like, the most humbling experiences at times you can ever imagine. You know what I mean? Especially coming from uh, a, a, a place where, like, you could do no wrong behind a set of turntables to, like, you couldn't do anything right. You know what I mean? What years was this? I moved in 2009, okay. February 1st, I okay. got off the plane. And it took me like two or three years wow. to get to get situated. You say humbling and was it ever rock bottom? or tell It me was that. absolutely rock bottom. I yeah, mean, like, let it out. Let yeah. me know. No, I mean, I don't think there's any secrets. I mean, I think I've, I've told the story many a times. And I think at that point, like if you're not willing to put it all on the line, that's the determining factor whether or not you're really going to make it or not. You know what I mean? And that doesn't mean I'm going to make it. It just means I got to this point. But, you know, like I would go back to Philly every month or so and I'd work as much as I could and just rack up a bunch of money and then I'd come back out. But I mean, like I had to tank all my credit cards and like all my perfect credit got ruined. And, and <laughs> I was living on my man's floor for like a good year, like on an airbed. And, you know, I was able to bring some of my sneakers, but eventually I just had to sell little by little just to make money to cover me each month. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was nuts. But at that point, that's why when you asked me, like, are you still on like your sneaker shit? It was like that was the moment where I was like, look, I don't need any of this shit. This is what I need. I need to be doing this. I'm not worried about all this other shit. I can get all this other shit again if I really need it. So little by little. I just sold what I had and, you know, all those sneakers, those five, 600 pair became less than a hundred pair. 
all this old low gear that I had. I had like uh, polo bins, but I mean, it was stuff that was way too big for me to wear anymore anyway. Did you have a snow beach? I mean, I had all that shit. Peeling? Everything. Uh, all of it. All of it got sold. Damn. But that kept me rolling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it took two or three years. I had this discussion with many of friends that were considering leaving because of course Maybe like- Philly to come to LA? Just any city. Okay. I mean, I think like there's a lot of people that started to see- I need to get out of my little market, you know what I mean? And there was a lot of people that felt that they were also at their ceiling, uh-huh. whether or not they were or not, I can't say. But I think for most people, depending on what your goal is in this business, you may have to get out of your city and go to a market that's a little bit more appealing that people take notice to. Now, the flip is that Los Angeles isn't really like the DJ city. It's not like I work a lot there anyway. I played a bunch out there, but it's not, if you look at my schedule throughout the year, I don't play very often there. What cities are you in? Just to let I mean, I, you know, Vegas, Chicago, uh, New York, I do Philly, Miami, Dallas, uh, you know, all like the big markets, your top 10s, yeah. you know, Boston. I mean, those are the cities for the most part, with the exception of like Iowa City and a few college towns that are really flying dudes in still to come play or girls as well. It's just people paid more attention and being out there put me in front of opportunities that got me to other places that then got me to other places mm-hmm. that I don't it's a think long game. I don't. Yeah. I don't think any of that would have happened if I would have stayed in Philly. I don't think we'd be having this discussion today if I stayed in Philly because I wouldn't be playing in SF if I stayed in Philly. Yeah. Thank you for not calling it San Fran, by the way. No, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm still aware that like Cali is not the thing you're supposed to say and San Fran is the thing San you're not Fran supposed to say. San Fran is not the thing to say. Yeah. yeah I would have yeah. definitely been like, yeah. okay, this thing's really over, but thank yeah. you for calling no, it. No, for sure. For so, sure. And in all these cities, does each city have like a different personality when you DJ? Because one thing I realized when I go play in the East Coast was that we stop at four, we stop at five. Here in San Francisco, the West Coast, we stop at two. Did you have to adjust? Was it what, what's your kind of mental game plan? In understanding um, that the I time mean, factor. I don't. I don't miss the four or five o'clock in the morning nights. I like. <laughs> I like being able to just like hit it and quit it. You uh-huh. know, still get a decent sleep and get up the next day and have like a normal day. Uh-huh. It gets a little tricky when you get to the city like Miami that wants to stay up till five in the morning and you know you're playing a later set. I think it's harder. It was harder for me being on the East Coast for my little break and then coming back to the West Coast because the time is much later. Going west to east, it's still technically early for me if I go from you know Los Angeles to Philly or something. So each market's a little bit different. You know, Each club's a little bit different. Generally, they fall around the same fishbowl okay. of like records. Uh-huh. It's just sometimes you may lean a little bit more on the right side. You may lean a little bit more on the left side. Yeah. It just depends on the room. Miami's a little more Southern and reggae. Well, New York is a little more Yeah, it just it, it just it yeah. just depends. Yeah, okay. for sure. So when you started coming out, you know, DJing in LA, it's like, oh, primetime's only two hours. Sick. Yeah, I mean, once you get to like those kind of sets, your, your prime time is usually anywhere between 90 minutes to maybe like three hours max. So growing up playing like, four or five, six hour nights, that's that's a breeze, you know? <laughs> Technically, you're actually making more money because you're working less. Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the perk of being like the headline act, is, <laughs> you know? But then it becomes a little tricky for you to make it as unique and not repetitive when you play in the same place for two hours because you're kind of restricted to the joints. I mean, people at this point, they've heard the 
opening music, they want to hear all of the heaters, and the heaters tend to be the same record. So you have to really get tricky with how you mix everything in and make sure you're not doing it the same way over and over again because I feel like people will start to notice. So people, when you say Love and Propaganda we got tonight, they're going, oh, I saw Excel last month. He did this mix of... Well, I don't think they're going to pay that much attention, but they definitely wouldn't say that because I don't know what I'm playing. I don't really have a set or anything like that. I just go in there, whatever the guy before me is playing, I kind of take note to, and then I start wherever I start. You, you, I noticed you have a very loose style. I could tell. You kind of go like... Oh, I, I think it's just because I've played for so long that it keeps me entertained to do that. If I knew everything I was going to do from the moment I walked in the door, it would be very boring. For yourself and other people? For me. Okay. I mean, not for them. I think people in the clubs, they're entertained if you just play the right stuff. Playing the right stuff isn't really rocket science, but if you don't have to really think that much and you're phoning it in because it's just, you know, from song one through song 40, it's going to go bing, 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 bing then there's no, there's no nothing for me. For me, I want to still be able to, like, I don't have a clue what I'm playing. I need to figure this out. I need to put this puzzle together. And sometimes I put it together like this, and sometimes I switch all the pieces up. Somehow it still winds up becoming the same picture. But, uh, yeah, I think it's more entertaining for me to be able to just pick as I go and figure out where. And sometimes I just want to go way different direction <laughs> and just see what happens. I mean, that's what allows me to become better is that if I don't try different records or, you know, try different methods of like doing shit, then I'm never going to know the potential each room has, mm. you know what I mean? And in this kind of a, you know, quest to kind of find the potential, have you bombed? I don't think I've ever bombed. No. I, I mean, I think like, of course, you're never going to keep the dance floor every night, all night long. But then again, that's what also makes you go from good to great is how do you get the dance floor back? You know, losing the dance floor or playing for a room that's not full and being able to keep people entertained, that's where the talent really comes in. If you're playing for a packed room and everyone is just vibing off of each other, you can kind of almost do anything. No one's moving anywhere. They're not leaving. But if it's a room that it's, you know, partially full and there's plenty of time for them to back away and just go sit in the corner, that's when you got to work. And if for some reason you play something that they don't feel... How do you get those people back? Yeah, you feel it. You right. feel it. Yeah. It's like less people, more work, more people, less work. Yeah. And I think uh, in terms of like bombing or doing really well, it's such like an opinionated thing these days because it depends on who you're playing for and what they know is good. You know, you can be amazing and they're just not feeling you for whatever reason. You can be shitty and just they think you're the best thing that's ever walked into the room. So when you're amazing and they're not feeling you, do you just say, well, I don't care? Or do you kind of like, does it kind of like sting you a little bit? No, I think, you know, I think for, I mean, I can't speak for everybody else, but I think some nights, you know, after you spend that many nights in clubs and in front of people, it's just fair to say some nights are just not going to be as crazy. I mean, I've walked into clubs and played, I know how to play music. I think that's very clear across <laughs> the board. A DJ. Like, you yeah, know, like I have enough music. DJ, yeah. I know what people like. I know how to get around a room. I know how to work through all the like tempos. But sometimes you get to a club and they're just not there. They're just not that energetic. They're not having a bad time, but they're not raging out the way the club hopes they would. And then they want you to do it. And it's like, look, I can only do with so much. So if you can't see that people are still enjoying themselves and having a good time tonight, they're just not jumping through the roof, then you probably think I might not be doing the best job. But 
on my side of it, I don't think I'm doing a bad job. I don't think I can be doing a better job. I think that it's a mix of what I'm bringing and what they're bringing. And if the energy is not there, I can't get them there unless I'm just walking around the room handing out drugs to people. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's just, it just is what it is. You, you for, know? for an East Coast dude, you're very zen. I, I've noticed that you're very kind of like... I think California just flipped my whole head up. Really? Were you kind of a high-strung guy from Philly a little yeah. bit? Wow. I think... Are you fighting people? Or uh, no, it's not like I got into fistfights with people. It's just like, I think living in Philadelphia, just being back there for two weeks, like there's a lot of aggression. There's a lot of like the pressures on your neck at all times because it is, you know, it's a very like doggy dog city. Uh -huh. And not just DJing, but in general. Just just in general, just in life. Okay. You know <laughs> Getting I mean? a cup of coffee, you get your yeah, get knocked yeah, aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think when I got to California, like the first few things I saw was just the pace was different. And it was a little bit more enjoyable. People were a little bit more open to like just get to know you out on the street. And maybe it was because they were looking to see how could you help them. But at the same time, like you can find out if they can help you. And I've met so many people just being out and about. And I think little by little, I started to develop just a different way of looking at things and a different way of thinking. And and then it became foreign when I would go back home and I would try to tell my friends like, yo, like, you know, I'd explain things the way I'm explaining them to you. And then they'd be like, yo, fuck that, man. Yo, like, punch him. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I get it. But peep it like this. You know what I mean? And some people caught it and some people left. And they and they saw it once they got out there. They had to go through a motion of getting settled and all that shit. But then once they did, they were like, yo, I, I get it. Like, I see it. I don't have to run it 80 miles an hour every day. I can run it like a cool 60 and still be doing more than most people are doing. And it just makes you kind of feel a little bit relieved. All in all, nothing is sweet. I'm still at the same predicament that I was in, just a little bit older with still no fucking backup plan. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hoping that I can contribute to my I IRA. Roth, and, are you and Roth or IRA? I, I did a SEP. SEP IRA oh, is for people that are self-employed. Self you can put a little bit more money oh, in. Oh, you're hipping me game right yeah, now. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 SEP. So like, you know, it, that's something where if, if you look into it, you can contribute, I think, up to like 25% of your yearly income. Don't quote me on that. But something like that, it's a little bit more than a Roth, and it works better if you were self-employed. Dude, dude. So this. once I got my money back up and I was able to like live again, then I was like, all right, I need to be smart this time around. I blew all my money on sneakers, gold chains, and rings, and all this shit <laughs> when I was in my 20s. I need to be right this time. You know what I mean? And it, I don't recommend anyone do this in their 20s. I think you need to blow all your money in your 20s and like live it. <laughs> don't listen to them. Save everything. Just like don't live it out. You know what I mean? Edit that out, John. Edit that out yeah. afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think like if you, if you don't live, then you wind up regretting that you never really like put it out there. Now, some people may not be able to come back from that, but that's not my responsibility. And I, I won't help you if your parents are mad at you. <laughs> but uh, I, I like the fact that like I lived a little bit. I learned the hard way. Some of it was my doing. Some of it was just me taking a chance on myself. But either way, I got in my 30s. I got a little bit smarter, started to put some more money away. And you just hope that you can make it to whatever retirement age would be at that point and that you're good. You know, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a different life to live. It's a little foreign to people that don't come from that world. But I, I wouldn't change it. Damn. Yeah. You're a lifer, man. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I don't I don't want it to quit. I don't want you to quit either. But it gets it gets difficult when you get older for sure. Yeah. But I think again, this whole just to listen to you and how you kind of navigate with 
you know, outcomes that you don't know how they're going to be and just, you're going to wing it and you always land on your feet. And I think sometimes that is a luck. Sometimes just, you know, talent, you know, meeting. meeting I mean, as much as I've landed on my feet, I've also landed on my ass, but (laughs) landing on your ass is not a bad thing. It's, it's, it's being able to learn from the shit. Okay. What, what did I learn from this experience? And then I need to get myself back up, dust myself off and let's just keep walking forward. And I think if that's what the shit, if it was that easy, everybody would want to fucking do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like playing pro ball. You know what I'm saying? You know how many guys are amazing when they go to Rucker Park, but they can't make it pro? Like, it's not meant for everybody. There's a lot of shit that comes into the mix, whether it's political or whether it's skill, that's going to determine whether or not you can get into this side of the game. You know what I mean? And I know plenty of dudes who are amazing behind a set of turntables that never really made it outside of the hood and playing at their little spots, whether or not they wanted to, or whether or not they had other issues that kept them from doing that shit. I really can't say, but I know a lot of people that don't hold a fraction of the talent that those guys have that have gotten way more success as well. So you got to take a little from each side. And then if you can put both of those together, I think you're going to be unstoppable. You know what I mean? The more you know. Yeah, right? The more you know. like <laughs> the little star. Just, yeah, I know you right now. <laughs> All right. And then this is uh, kind of like the wrapping up question I like to hit DJ dudes with. You walk on music. You talk show, bat, World Series, entering court. What is your song, your walk on music? Just off the top of my head, yes. I love um, Get Up Off That Thing, James Brown. Nice. With the bass at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Get up off of that thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, that's just, yeah. If I had to think off the top of my head, I don't know why that just popped in, but that that would have to be the one. That works for me, man. It's like an energetic, like, yo, we're here. You know yeah. what I mean? So, it's, yeah. yeah, it's like... It's you, also never failed me anytime I've ever played it, so... Okay. It, you can play it tonight? I don't know. Yeah, it's not that type of club. I mean, I could, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's not that it's not that type of club. It just has to be the right crowd, and it True. has to be the right time. You got to get them warmed up. Yeah, and yeah. Open. But if I could pull it off, yeah, I will. Do it. Do it for me. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. My man, DJ Excel. Oh, social media, things you want to plug, your movie, whatever, your um, yoga studio, your opening. I don't know. DJXL.com, Excelagram uh, uh, on IG. You yes. can find all the other shit. Yeah. And I also recommend going on Mixcloud, looking up oh, his yeah. Dime mix, mix um, series, which are Yeah. If you go to Mixcloud, I believe it's the real DJ Excel. There's a ton of live mixes. And uh, also, there's an app coming soon for Android and iPhone that'll have tons of mixes and content that's not filtered through all the other social media stuff and oh, you can listen yours. to the mix. Yeah, of just like, that, you know, oh, as much guy. as I love Mixcloud for supporting and giving us a forum, like they still have a couple issues where like you can only listen to certain mixes so many times mm. and then it's it, you have to wait or something you can listen to like a mix three times in a week or something uh-huh. i don't know but i feel like uh i've run in more times than not with people that they like the mixes they want to listen to the mixes yeah. as much as they want and then they can't and it's bothersome to me that like they can't listen to music they want to listen to so i feel uh you know i put some money up and i got my man working on this app all the mixes will be there they'll wow. be hosted in a private thing so you don't got to worry about any of that shit and you can just put it on your phone and listen to the mixes as much as you like and not have to worry about it so if you want to work out or run and put it on in the party or whatever the yeah. case is when is that you think uh i think i would say within a month or two okay I mean, so like, maybe when this comes out so yeah that that, that, that would that, that would be amazing um if so just look look for it but if not it'll be on social media i'll make a full announcement of, of when the app is the app will be free of course 
and uh, it'll it'll do push. So anytime I update the app or put something up on it, uh, it'll come come to your phone. And of course, I can post a link to this on the app so people will know that it's there. You wink, know, wink, outside nudge, of the other joints. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I think it's just it's just it's it seems like the right move, just the next step to be able to go back to what we were saying. How do you build a fan base, and how do you kind of keep people in tune? It's like okay, well now you don't got to go surf the internet looking for shit. It'll come directly to your phone. So. Love it, man. Yeah, thank you. All right. Everyone, DJ Excel. Yay. Yay. Thank you for your time, my dude. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah.